Well, we've been on a, a study and a journey in the revelation of faith and the righteousness of God. And uh, right when I think we're about ready to rest it a little and move into some other stuff, the Lord just keeps building upon it. I've had many comments and many of you sharing how that has really taken hold in your life and that blesses me. And I know it's taken hold in my life. And even though most of these scriptures I've studied so many times in my life, you know there's something that happens when we add revelation faith to the Word of God. It activates, it percolates, it becomes alive in our spirit, and everything has a different viewpoint to it. We had a man share a testimony yesterday morning, and he's, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit here a week ago. And uh, he said, my entire vision has changed. He said, it's like I see things differently. I see things clearly. I see things more vivid. It's like I've gotten new eyesight. And isn't that refreshing to hear? So we want to ask the Holy Spirit right now to just amplify and magnify the Word of God and to give us the revelation of the Holy Ghost as we build upon this firm foundation of the Word of God, asking Him to enlighten us and to help us and to strengthen us, especially this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, there's a favorite scripture of mine, and it comes out of Isaiah. And we're gonna do a bit of a little study through part of Isaiah as we go forward with this uh, uh, edification of revelation strength in our lives today. And when my wife and I first arrived in Israel uh, on our honeymoon, and, and Jeannie was with us, Jeannie's in the house. Hi Jeannie, wave, there you are. Jeannie was with us and we bless your family that's with you today. And um, we went to the ICEJ, we didn't know we were supposed to be there. We were staying at a hotel that was joined and close to the Benyanea Uma, whereas they also, by the way, had held the trials for the Nazi war criminals at different times in Israel. It's a very famous place there. And the International Christian Embassy was holding their Feast of Tabernacles celebration. It happened to be Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. We didn't really time it that way. We just went and we, had to, we went first to Egypt and then made our way there. We were all broke. I think between the three of us, we didn't have $50. I don't know what it was. And uh, we saw all these people dressed up in praise garments with flags and costumes and just celebrating God in the street. And then we followed them over to this place. Well, I remember the very first night, the opening night, there was a message that was given by a speaker and a very eloquent speaker. And he started off by quoting this scripture out of Isaiah 40, chapter one. Now, to lay a little pretext for that, you know, Isaiah is what is a very prophetic book, is it not? But it's divided into really three sections and we'll get into that in a moment. Isaiah 40 starts the one that's to give us comfort and consolation and strengthening. And so, after he had given them condemnation in the very first 30 chapters, and then in the next 10 chapters, he gave them conviction, he then moved into consolation and comfort and strengthening. Remember that when he was writing, they had had a great victory of deliverance over the Assyrians, a very fierce people. 
And now he's telling them that God's going to turn them over to the Babylonians in the very first part of the book. So they're, they're not too happy with that word, and yet they're questioning, does Isaiah know what he's talking about? Well, we know Isaiah saw so many things that he didn't comprehend and understand, starting in Isaiah 9 and the virgin birth, Isaiah 53, the Messianic chapter. But in this particular one, this is a message that crosses the bridge from the old righteousness and the new righteousness. We've been talking about that. Abraham moved in an account of righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness because he had a faith to believe God, but he had not yet been born again. And to move in new righteousness, to be new righteousness, you must be born again. And then we understand in 2 Corinthians 5.22, where it says, Jesus Christ, he was made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Those of us in Christ, we are in a better place than Abraham was at that point that God accounted it to him for faith because it was an account. That word literally means a debit. It literally means like a debit card. He had a debit card for righteousness for another place at another time. You have been made righteous. You're not, your sins haven't just been atoned and covered over. They have been cleansed and forgiven. They are no more. You're so far beyond that. So with those ears and with those eyes, ears and eyes in the spirit, let's read the scripture for a moment. Isaiah 40, chapter one. I love what it says. I've, I've used this so many times in my walk and in my life and in my prayers. Comfort you, comfort you, my people, says your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. That comes out of uh, what you would see in a nurturing. That word literally comes from a definition that would be nurturing, as if you're taking a child, a mother's taking a child, a newborn, and putting that child to her breast to comfort that child, to give that child. Do you remember we were talking about how Moses' mom, to avoid him being killed, she stuck him in a little boat, in a little raft, in something that was very crude, put him in the river, and they had it all set up so that it would be hopefully at the time when Pharaoh's daughter would be there. And there she was, and there was the baby coming down, but she could not comfort the child because she didn't have the baby's milk. And there came Moses' mom as a handmaiden and the nurse to who became Pharaoh's child. The Lord is saying to you, comfort ye, comfort ye, I'm holding you to my breast. I'm going to nurture you. And he uses the word, uh, says your God. That word, says your God, is the same word as declare, but he doesn't leave it at that. He then says, you declare, the same word, speak. It comes out of also, it's a word that's daba in the ancient Hebrew. And daba means to command. And it means to determine something that's already been approved. So he's telling you to declare and that it's already been approved for you to declare to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Well, let's take it a little further in the spirit. We are citizens of this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
right? We have a citizenship in heaven. We are sons and daughters of the all-living God. We are a new creation. There's a new Jerusalem that's already been made. It's in heaven. It's going to descend. I don't want to get into that eschatologically because I tell you the truth, I don't understand it. And I'm not going to work hard to understand it. And I'm not sure anybody who says they do really has it right. Maybe they do. I'm not going to go there. But I know there's a new Jerusalem. I know that it's been defined. I know there's been a measuring line on it. I know that it has 12 gates. And I know that it has the names of the apostles written over those gates. And I know that it will have neither day nor night because the glory of the Lord shall be the light of that new Jerusalem. So he's telling us to declare and to say that Jerusalem, Jerusalem has been set free. Well, that's because we are citizens of the new Jerusalem. And so even Isaiah didn't understand it, but we do. We have the capacity and we have the approval and the authority of God to make declarations in our life, listen to me now, that your warfare is accomplished. That's why I teach and tell you, I am so glad to have spiritual warriors, but I would not have any of you to only be spiritual warriors. It wears you down and makes you weary. You've already won. So don't spend all day long fighting every demon that blows in the wind, every thought that comes in your mind, every precept that comes, or every talisman that pops out. We don't need to do that. We declare our warfare has been accomplished. The Lord says, speak and say comfortably. Notice he uses the word comfort. And, 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 the, and the text of that word three times, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And then he says, speak comfortably, comfortably, nurturing, edifying, building up. When we build up and edify, God surely gives you the authority to overcome everything that there is. We should learn and do so much better. And I believe that I'm learning and I'm getting better than I was at being less critical and more nurturing. Amen. More grace and less judgment. Matter of fact, no judgment is even best, isn't it? Comfort, comfort you, my people. Speak tenderly. There's another word that's used for that comfortably that translate, and it's tenderly. Speak tenderly that your warfare is accomplished and your iniquity is uh, pardoned. Now, uh, as you know, I've been transcribing and doing an exposition on some of the E.W. Kenyon books um, for the series for uh, Whitaker. And the one book, it's called uh, Two Kinds of Faith, Secret Revealed. And uh, he also did a book, Two Kinds of Righteousness. So it happens to parallel what I've been teaching on. And, and he got it so far and then not further because he, I don't, th you know, everything has its time and its space. But in that end, what we find out is that he expounds on the fact that there's a mystery that comes from a declaration from righteousness. I had laid a foundation for us without going through all the scriptures again, or we would just keep repeating the same sermon, that we have a faith unto righteousness. It says in Romans, Romans 3, we have a faith unto righteousness. So we can only enter into the righteousness of God through faith. You can only receive Jesus Christ in faith. There's no works, right? The opposite, the contrast is works. Works are unto law. Righteousness is unto grace. And so we see there's a faith unto righteousness, no works. 
no works. And that faith under righteousness takes us into the place where you have been made righteous. You come in faith to Jesus Christ. You are cleansed and transformed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Once you're cleansed and transformed through the blood of Jesus Christ, then you have been made righteous of God. That means that the very God stuff, the very substance of God, his very nature is dwelling in you and I. These bodies become temples for the nature of God, for the spirit of God, for the housing of God, the temple of God, the righteousness of God. I wanna build on that a little bit so that your faith no longer has works. And that's one of the talismans that we've accepted um, as Christians, myself guilty. We feel we have to work and work and work at faith. No, our faith can be strengthened and not be worked at. And that's what we want to talk about today. So many of us have been taught, if you have faith unto this, then you'll get to this. And then we wonder, why isn't it working? Why didn't someone get healed? Why didn't it happen? Why am I still struggling? Why, 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 why? And we get into a sense, a, a mental ascent of the senses that wants to reason. And we put timelines on it. And when it's not happening, then one of the questions we have, is there something wrong with my faith? Have I not had enough faith? Does Patty have more faith than me? Her prayers gets answered. Uh, Dawn says, my prayer didn't get answered. Does she have more faith? Or someone asks, you know, Kenneth Copeland, he must have master faith. Everything he prays gets answered. We, we, have, we have masters in faith. What does it take to be a master in faith? Let me say something to you. You already are a master in faith. You have the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ in you. And with that comes all the attributes of who he is, his entire nature. God doesn't need faith. He is faith. He says in Isaiah 48, and I mentioned it there, he says, when you are in your past, when you were in your past, he says, there I am. He's the I am. So his faith is beyond even a question. Time can't touch him. That's why the e-blast that went out today said, you know, when, when you're in yourself and looking in your inner self, there he is. When you look at your surroundings, there he is. When you consider your past, there he is. When you're considering your present, there he is. When you're wondering about your future, there he is. Well, guess what? He's in you and you in him. You are one. And so that means, believe it or not, that you, you can span time. You are not confined by time. Only if you let time confine you because you've been made the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God cannot be partitioned. You can't say, well, I want the grace, but I don't want the healing. I want the wisdom, but you know, I, I don't want the joy. I want the peace, but I don't want the, the testing. I want, you cannot petition, partition God. With his righteousness comes absolute faith. The only enemy of our faith is us ourselves when we begin to look at it differently. So part of this message is there's a faith to have faith in your own faith. You already have faith. So instead of having faith for things, have faith in your own faith, right? Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of which hope is in the future, faith is in the now. So if you're stuck on hope for things, you're not in the present. You're not bringing it together now. It may not manifest at the very moment you did, but you can be certain and declare it that God heard it and God shall do it. His word is faithful. 
Is not his word faithful? If we accept his word faithful, well, then we have to come to a place where we're putting his faith at work. What did James say? Faith without works is, it's not working. We need working faith. That's why we confess today, and that's why we put actions behind what we confess. If we don't put actions on it, it doesn't happen. We need to put actions on it. So we need faith in our faith, not faith for things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, and his, and his, and he shall. Some people seek the kingdom of God. They know the word of God. A lot of people know the word of God, are very good and probably more proficient than you and I in it in some ways, but they're stuck in a religious conundrum. They don't understand that they also need to seek the righteousness of God. Not seeking it in the sense that you can get more of it or less of it, seeking the understanding and the identity that you are the righteousness of God. And if you are the righteousness of God, then you can do all things through Christ who, right? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we don't want to fall short in seeking the kingdom and leave out the righteousness so we can get all the things. And sometimes we're having faith for things when really what we need to have faith for is say, I believe in my righteousness faith. So faith takes us to Jesus. Jesus takes us through the blood. The blood brings us into the righteousness of God. We have right standing with God, and we've been made his righteousness. Everything he is and all of his sovereignty is offered to us as new creation children. And from that righteousness, we then have a maximum faith if we release it. That's why Jesus was speaking to his disciples at a point when they didn't get it because they hadn't yet received the revelation faith of the Holy Spirit. So they said, what kind of faith is this? And he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, small as a mustard seed, what kind of faith is that? That's revelation faith. That's faith that comes from righteousness. That's not faith that's at works. When we're working at faith, we're actually subjecting ourselves to the law again. And the law will always beat you down. The law will always convict you, it will condemn you, it will criticize you. Whenever you're working at something and you're saying, I'm, I'm really fighting for this, I'm really, and that's good, don't give up. But it's better to say, you know what, Lord, thank you, I already have it. I have it from righteousness. A faith that moves from righteousness into your life is much easier at rest than a faith that you're trying to work at into the righteousness of God because you can't work into the righteousness of God. So let me make this point a little bit better with some scriptures. The mystery of declaration from righteousness is the highest level of faith. And this can only be discovered in the realm of true righteousness. This is Christ type. Right, righteousness. This is the righteousness in the prayer that says, declare it to the mountain. It's the same word. Speak to the mountain and tell it to be moved and it shall be removed. He didn't say to work at it. He didn't say to pray about it every day. He didn't say to knock on the judge's door and just beat him to death like the woman that just kept bringing her prayer before him until he finally said, listen, whatever you want, God is not that kind of a judge. God doesn't need to be reminded about our prayers. He doesn't need, he knows our needs before we do. He says he knows every hair on our head, even Don's head. He knows every hair on that head, wherever it's at. He knows every hair on our head. He knows everything about us. We don't have to beg God. He's telling us to declare from righteousness. And when we do, there's a transformation that occurs in faith. 
And it's because our own faith is then his words. Our own faith is then who he is. And everything else gets in line with it. So let's look a little bit more um, at some other scriptures in Isaiah. And uh, I'm just going to bring you through it very quickly. And uh, let's go to verse 5 of 40. And we'll be going through a few chapters. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Points. Declaration, righteousness, glory, glory of the Lord, and the fact that in that sense, uh, it's our declaration. This is the sense that says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed to all flesh. He means human beings. And they shall see it together because the Lord has declared it. Now, what's the highest level of, of, uh, of reality here on earth for us who believe in God? That God has declared it. He's declared it in the word. He's declared it in our lives. He's given us a prophetic word. We know that is the highest level of God manifesting in our life that we hear or see. It's a declaration. Well, here's where we begin to lay the undergirding for declaration. It's good to pray, and it's good to believe God for everything. Another point, the word faith is a noun. It's a noun. So if it's a noun, it means it's an entity, it's an object. Faith is substance. It's an object, it's a noun. Believing is a verb. So if we're just stuck in faith without believing, then we're not moving. Believing requires action. Faith requires that you declare it, but you have to go in action. So faith is a noun, you have faith. Guess who that is? Jesus Christ, the ultimate noun of all nouns. Jesus Christ is your faith. He had faith to believe on his way to the cross. Father, here I am, I believe you're gonna raise me again. I'm gonna take all the sins. I'm gonna take the punishment from hell. I'm gonna take whatever you give me. I know, Father, that you will raise me again and these are my words that I have spoken. Jesus spoke it, right? John 10, the Father loves me because I laid down my life and I will take it again. These were his words. He is our noun, he is our faith, but you are the believer. He's not the believer. He doesn't have to believe for anything anymore. He's already declared it. He said it straight. You are the believer. I'm the believer. He's the faith. We must go from faith to believing. We believe with the heart. The heart is the spirit. We can say we believe in the mind, but if it's only stuck in the mind, we're gonna be challenged. We've gotta move it from the mind to the heart and have the heart remind the mind all the time, I believe. I believe that God is able. I believe that God shall do this. I believe Jesus will heal me, he's my healer. I believe that he will provide what I need, he's my provider. I believe he will give me all the wisdom I need because I have the mind of Christ. I believe I will have peace even when I'm walking through the shadow of the valley of death because he's my Jehovah Shalom. I believe because Jesus is all of my faith. He is everything that I need. He's all of my substance. He will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that he will not do for me and has not done for me. I believe. And we say it with our mouth. 
and we push it from our heart to our mouth, and then we tell our mind, catch up with it, mind. And if the mind begins to deviate a little bit, that's flesh, you have to grab it and put it back in mind. That's why it says, renew your mind in Christ. We renew the mind and we say, I believe. I have the faith. I don't need more faith. I have the faith. I have the faith. If you say you need more faith, then you're going to work at it. And then the work of the cross didn't do his fulfilled work for all of us. Forgiving sins is wonderful. Trans transmission of sins is a wonderful thing. We all need to have our sins forgiven, but we need to go beyond that. And we're supposed to have a life and life more abundantly here on earth in the now, in the present. Faith is in the now. Hope is in the future. Don't just hope. Operate with faith. You can't do it on your own, but he's already done it. So it's better to give it to him and to say, Lord, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. That's why I pray for so many people and there's a lot of miracles and I pray for some and they don't have them. Do you know why? And then there's some people I pray for and they get a miracle and then they lose it. And a month later they're saying, what happened? And I say, because you had faith in my faith and not faith in your own faith. You understand? It's okay to have faith. It, 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 one theologian called it a hitchhiker, a spiritual hitchhiker. Come on, get on my back. I'll take you where you want to go. But once I get you there, you need to stay. You need to stay in your own faith. And so people can get healed, but they can also be healed and never understand who Christ is. Do you understand that? And that may stay and it may go. That's up to God. We want to go beyond that point. You want to have faith in your own faith. Not faith in a religion, not faith in a denomination, not faith in a talisman, not faith in another person's faith. It's okay if it gets you to a place, but then you've got to stay and go further, farther and beyond. Paul says, I look onward and I look upward. I keep going and striving for it, and I'm striving for that which I'm apprehending, even though I've already apprehended it. He's already been made the righteous. You've already been made the righteousness of God, but you're striving to apprehend everything God has had, had you for it. You know how he does that? He gives you opportunities that maybe we call problems. We have a problem. Speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed and it will be gone. How big is the problem? Not as big as your God. Your God's already taken care of the problem, but you need to declare it. Your God's saying, I already did it, now speak to it and tell it to be gone. Isn't it something that inanimate things have ears that hear God? Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've had a mechanical problem. And my wife's much more mechanically inclined than I am. I can fly an airplane, but I can't put one together. Uh, you know, I worked on cars sometimes, I don't like doing it. Um, I really like to tell her I don't know how to do anything, and then I smile as I watch her take it on and do it. She gets on her ladder with her tools and she fixes stuff, and I say, go girl, go, you're good. You're your father's daughter, yes, yes. And she gets it done and she gets down and she shakes her finger. You always don't do it or say you don't know how to do it because you want me to do it. I said, yes, honey, that's true. That's true. You do it so much better than I do it. So much better. Faith isn't something that we're supposed to try to figure the pieces out of. It's too much work. It's too hard. We've been given challenges to do things and, and to become these masters of faith with everything we do when we already are. There's been too much of a yoke put on us. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. I can tell you my life is getting so much easier, so much better, so much more joyful when I realize the less I take on, 
the better it is. And when I do take it on, it seems like now I'm at a point where he says, okay, son, I tolerated this for a while. You want it, and it's like all of a sudden I shrink about a foot and a half with the weight that's on me till I throw it off. I say, no, it's the Lord's, and I declare it, and I speak it. Worrying about our children will wear us down. Worrying about a wayward daughter or son or a grandchild will wear you down. Worried about your finances will wear you down. Worrying about a disease will wear you down. It will suck out your energy, your resources, your health, your mind. It tries to steal your faith. But if you say my faith is from God, it's from his righteousness, that I'm believing from the righteousness of God, in spite of who I am, it's the righteousness of God, then, then the devil can't steal it, you can't steal it in your flesh, and the world can't squeeze it out of you. So we want to move from that point. That's why it's so important for the body of Christ today to capture this revelation and understand it, because we're in tough times. We're in very tough times. I mean, forget about politics. That you know, a lot of people need to be delivered from CNN and Fox News and, you know, it just mangle your mind just watching and trying to keep up with that garbage day in and day out, you know, but forget about that. How about everything else? I mean, how about the Boy Scouts? How about the Boy Scouts? I, 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 I drive by the Boy Scouts right by my house and I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe that they've, 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 they've yielded to a homosexual uh, platform. How many denominations are yielding to a homosexual platform? I, I mean, you know, good is being called evil and evil is being called good. And, and there's, there's a gray area that is confusing and, and our youth, our youth is being raised up in confusion. The teachers are teaching them evil things in the schools and telling them it's truth. And when they challenge the truth, they get disciplined, reprimanded. And, and if you should stand out and do it, then you're called a, a, a social uh, a, a pervert. If you stand up and say, I, I, I don't agree with that, all of a sudden, you're not acceptable. All of a sudden, you're the, you're, the, you're the abnormal one. Good is being called evil, good. We need to know who we are and where we stand from. Much has been taught about purpose and identity. That's all good. We've had about 30 years of that, the purpose-driven life, identity, the kingdom. We've had all of that. It's all been good. But it's time for us to make it simple. To make it simple, you have been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And with that, he strengthens you. So let's, let's move on and grab a few of these things and see how we get them. Um, verse 9, chapter 40 of Isaiah. O Zion, thou that brings good tidings. Let me stop right there. How many of you know that you are members of Zion? right? Neither Jew nor Greek, that you've been grafted in, and that Zion, which, you know, literally originally meant the city of Zion, Jerusalem, is, is the issue of God's people. You are God's people. So God's people, bring good tidings. Get you up in the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, with strength. What does that mean? Declare boldly. Hebrews, enter in to the throne of God where you can boldly enter in and declare and ask with God and move with God and receive the things of God. That's why he says, go up high, go into the throne room, go to the place that you can declare from. You know, it's much better to declare from the throne room than it is to the throne room. Hello. 
You can declare outside of the throne, forgive me, but I've got to bring it up again. That's why I'm not in favor of some of the teachings that have come out about pleading your case in the courtroom of heaven. My case has been pleaded. I'm not going to work at that. I have nothing to legislate in the heavenly places. I'm going to go legislate with God when God says, Frank, I already did all this. Why are you bothering me with this? I'm going to legislate with angels. The angels take words from God. I'm not going to go to the courtroom and all of a sudden believe that I'm going to get something because I'm legislating in the courtroom of God and we're having a trial. Really? Really? I'm sorry. It may work for some people, but that's one more step. Guess what? Going into a confessional in the Catholic faith works for some people, but that's one more step. And having to work at faith, it works for some people, but that's one more step. But I can go to the throne room, in the throne room, and in that place I can declare. And when I declare from that place, I have all the sovereignty and the authority of God that he has given in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it, period. There's nothing else to talk about. So people say, well, you, you know, I know one man that wrote that stuff. He said he didn't have an answer to his prayers for 20 years. I, I feel sorry for that guy. You know, he came to a revelation, but it's just another step. We want the revelation of the righteousness of God. We can teach steps, or we can go right to the source in the throne room and come from there. And by the way, this isn't new revelation. This is the Pauline revelation. This is what Paul taught. And this is what Paul was, was imparting. Romans, we've been studying Romans on Deep Calls of Deep Wednesday. It is just revealing the mystery and the righteousness uh, and the revelation of righteousness like nothing even I understood before. It's just exploding in us because we're realizing the Pauline revelation. And something about that book, it's the only one that he didn't write to a church that he planted. And it's one of the ones that crossed all the lines, right? He wrote it to believing Jews, Messianists. He wrote it to non-believing Jews. He wrote it to believing Gentiles and non-believing Gentiles. He didn't correct his church. He gave a thesis on the righteousness of God, redemption, salvation, and then disclosed the mystery of Israel and the coming of the Lord and some of those other things in a letter that is beyond comprehension in the natural. And that Pauline revelation is all about the righteousness of God being available and strengthening us. And so let's move on some more. Let's take a couple more scriptures out of Isaiah. Let's go to uh, chapter 40, verse 28 and 29 and 30 and 31. 28, have you known... Have, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Stop. Put it on pause. Who are we? The righteousness of God. Somebody else help me out. Who are we? Turn to your neighbor, unless you don't believe it, and say, I'm the righteousness of God. Declare it. Shout it. I'm the righteousness of God. And affirm them. Say, yes, you are. Me too. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, are we not? Who's in you? Who else is in you? Right. The nature of God, the righteousness of God. You've been made the righteousness of God. But yet, he who is inside of you, he said, haven't you heard that the Lord is the everlasting God? Who's inside of you? The everlasting God. 
Whose throne room are you in? The everlasting God. What have you been transformed and created into a new creation of? The everlasting God, the sons of God. You have an eternal aspect to you now. You have everything that he has that's available to you through him, limited only by these finite bodies, which someday Paul says, I'm going to be set free of this thing. He said, I'm betwixt two worlds. I don't know whether to go and be free or to stay here in this stinking body. But he says, someday it's coming. But he had the faith to believe and to know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Strengthens us. He does not grow tired or weary. Lord, I'm tired. Lord says, okay, let me take it from here. Stand down. Rest. You know, again, I really, I really appreciate spiritual warriors. You know, and our Potashield motto is warriors, watchmen, and worshipers, right? But they also need to be watchmen and worshipers. We wear down if all we want to do is war. I don't know how many of you, how many of you knew who Helen Hunt was? Helen Hunt and Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt passed on and went to the Lord probably in the early 90s, maybe. And uh, when I first came to the Lord, he spoke to me in, in, the, in the winter on Selma Avenue, stuck in my house with no electricity. And I got the word of the Lord, literally audibly spoke to me. And he said, go to this church on the east side. And he gave me the address that was off of Shehai Street. And uh, he said, go to this church on the east side, walk in, there's a woman waiting for you to teach you. So I went, and sure enough, I went in there. There was five people there, and I'll never forget. I don't know how many of you know Leslie Bissell. Leslie was there, and he couldn't play a lick. He could sing like an angel. I mean, Leslie didn't need a microphone. Leslie sang, and you'd hear it out in Walmart's parking lot from here. He just had a voice that was like, it was angelic, and it had like a boombox inside of it. I don't know. It was supernatural. But he couldn't play a lick. His brother, on the other hand, was a tremendous pianist. Couldn't play a lick. And so the first thing I watched as I sat there, she, she welcomed me when I came in. She said, I've been waiting for you. Okay, thank you. I didn't say to her, I was sent to you. She said, I've been waiting for you. I said, mm, okay, and this is all new to me, brand new. I've only been in the Lord about 45 days or something. I didn't know any of this stuff. But I was in warfare all the time. I was fighting everything that moved. I had just enough knowledge to be totally dangerous and wearing myself out. If the, if, the, if the pipes in my house began to creak and bang, I thought there was a demon in there. If I got a flat tire, I blamed it on a demon. Right? If I got a bill at the house, I blamed it on a demon. I just, I just was fighting everything under the sun. So I, I go to, to Helen Hunt, and the first thing I see her do is she tells Leslie, who's singing, I have a piano. Leslie, come up. He says, I don't play piano. She says, put your hands on the keyboard. She begins to pray over him, tells him to close his eyes, and pretty soon Leslie's playing the piano. Leslie's singing, and I'm a piano player. He's playing as good as me and never had a stick of a lesson. And I'm watching this, and I'm saying, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, was this set up? You know, Lord, did you set this up? Did, did this really just happen? I mean, you know, I've been playing all my life. How did this just happen? But if you did that, could you make it like a sing like him too? Because I have a boom box in my... And so then she began to teach me. And one of the things she taught me was how to rest in the Lord. She taught me how it's okay to declare something and believe God for it. And I didn't have to fight it day and day night. It would have killed me. I would have killed myself. I'd have worn myself out, let alone would have had no social life whatsoever. Because I was looking for the demons and everybody, everything, and all the times. Right? So... There's a rest that comes in the righteousness of God. And that's at that place where, yes, we can pray 
And you know what? I, I, I'm, I conform. There are certain things in people I pray for quite often. But I don't do it with begging God. I do it with a thank you. Lord, I thank you that you've heard this prayer. And I continue, Lord, to echo it through the atmospheres. Thank you, Lord, that this prayer is being answered. You know what? I, I think God's okay with it, and I'm okay with it, because it's sort of like a parent when the child comes and needs affirmed. You know, I don't know about you, but I had good grades and bad grades. And uh, when I had good grades, it was nice to get an attaboy. When I got bad grades, you know, I was trying to hide my, my none of you ever did this. None of you ever signed your own, your own report card and gave it to the teacher. None of you ever did that. I got caught all the time. But you get an affirmation. It's okay to have an affirmation from God, but you have to have rest in your spirit. And you have to realize that your prayer is not going to be answered or not answered because how hard you're working in your faith. Your prayer is answered because who he is, and he's already sent the answer. So let's move forward. I took a pause. I got to move quicker, and I am going to move very quickly now. The ends of the earth faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Who's he talking about? When our flesh is worn down, when the battle's getting weary, when we're, we think we're at the end of the rope, he says, I'm the one who will give you might. I will strengthen you at that point. I'm with you. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that rest upon the Lord, they that know the faith of God, they that are resting in the righteousness of God, the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Praise the Lord. Bless. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Father. Isaiah 41, chapter 10, 41, 10. Fear, you fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Say it, strengthen you. Say it again, strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you, listen, with the right hand of my, of my righteousness. Who's at the right hand of the Father? Jesus Christ. Who's our righteousness? Jesus Christ makes us the righteousness of the Father, doesn't he? The righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I will uphold you with my righteousness. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will deliver you. Do not faint. Do not be dismayed. And don't bother me with the same prayer 1,000 times a day. He's more gracious than me. Quit wearing yourself out. God says, I don't faint. I don't get weary. I hear you. I will do it. Believe God. Take it from being a noun of faith in your own works and making it a verb in action in your own belief. You know what? It's okay to lay the things out that you're believing for God. Write them if it helps you out. Put them on a list and say, Lord, I believe you for all these things. Thank you so much for it. Thank you, Lord, that I'm the righteousness of Christ. Let it flow. In Jesus' name. Let's move on quickly. A couple more good scriptures. And um, let's go to Isaiah 42, chapter, uh, verse 6, 7 and 8. 42, 6, 7 and 8. I, the Lord, have called you in. Hello? I have called you in. Romans 8, 
says you were predestined. I know some people don't like that. The Calvinists, they want to argue. I don't really want to have that argument. It's in the Word of God, I believe it. He said you were predestined. Right, Cheryl Green? She's my fact checker. You were, you were predestined. Then you were called. And if you were called and you answered the call, then you were justified. Justified is the same word for righteous. You were made righteous. Predestined, you answered the call. I will call you in righteousness. I've called you to righteousness. Jesus, I believe you're made righteous of God. Once you've been made righteousness, justification, he then says in another scripture comes sanctification. He sets you apart. You're holy. You are set apart for him. You are no longer in the world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You are no longer governed by the laws of natural man. You're beyond it. You are moving in the righteousness of God, which comes from a whole different realm of reality, the realm of the everlasting God and creator inside of us, the new creation person that Paul was crying about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 22. You've been made a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. I've called you, called you, called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. There's the nurturing of God. Comfort you, comfort you, my people. I don't know about you, but have any of you ever lost one of your children in a public place? Huh? No fear like that. There is no fear like that. I mean, my wife and I, we lost our daughter, Mikkel. We thought we did at a birthday party, Chuck E. Cheese, her birthday party. And it's time for all the kids to go home and everybody took their kids and our daughter wasn't there. They were running all over the place. They were having a good time. My wife said, Mikkel's missing. I said, what? Mikkel's missing. It was, it was, I went running out the door into the plaza. I began to look in cars. I was stopping cars that were going out to see if my daughter was in there. I was ready to rip somebody's head off, open their trunk, tear out their engine, remove their tires, do whatever I had to do to find my girl. And the mind and the mind games began to start. And finally I come back in and I'm like this and all of a sudden she was in the bathroom playing with something. She was little, her feet were up, the toilet was too high. My heart was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. I hugged her, I kissed her. I felt like a fool, but I didn't care. I held her hand and took her out to the car. The Lord says, I will hold your hand. I will strengthen you. I will comfort you, speak tenderly to you, and I will keep you. I will keep you as a covenant to the people. Oh, man, I could preach on this till six o'clock tonight. Keep you as a covenant to the people. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand why you see a rainbow? So that God will never forget his covenant not to destroy the earth again by a flood. Do you understand about why the Abrahamic covenant is such an amazing supernatural thing? Because Abraham was put to sleep and God went through the parts and did the covenant. Do you understand why the new covenant is so amazing? Because you didn't have anything to do with it. Jesus Christ did it all. Guess what? You don't have anything to do with this. I will keep you as a covenant. Do you understand what that means? 
God says, I've entered into a unilateral covenant with you where I'm going to keep you. I'm going to hold your hand. You have been called in righteousness. Is it setting in? Is it starting to, are the light bulbs going off? Are you starting to get excited and say, wait a minute. I do want to stay in righteousness. This is good stuff. I've been called in righteousness. We can let go of the works, all the works. Faith that is continually at works to try to get something from God will wear you down. It'll make you tired. And it doesn't please God that you're trying to do it some other way because your self-righteousness is like filthy. Faith that is trying to do it for God is self-righteous faith. E.W. Kenyon said there's two kinds. One, the accounted for, and the other that is, is made righteous. I say there's three. The third one is self-righteous. And that's what God's dealing with the body of Christ today. Our self-righteousness. <sighs> I'm a Pentecostal. I speak in tongues. I'm a, I'm a shade higher than you. You don't speak in tongues. I have the gift of such and such. We talked about too many prophets last Sunday. A lot of prophets walking around today. Eh. A lot of stuff being imposed. A lot of self-righteousness. Let us be those that walk with fear and humbling and ask the Lord to look through our hearts. Keep us within our lanes. Amen. I know I'm guilty of it too. I tried to go in all these lanes. I'm very happy in the lane that I'm in. I have rest and peace. Competition is gone. Striving is gone. Just resting in the righteousness of God. And you shall be a light to the Gentiles. That same word means the heathen. The right hand of my righteousness. Let's go to chapter 42, verse 6. Oh, we just... I'm sorry, we went there. Let's go to verse 7. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Sound familiar? Out of Luke 4.18 when Jesus read it, right? And further on, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise or graven images. The reason why I underline that one, remember I said righteousness and strengthening and glory, is because... He won't give his glory to another, but he's given it to you. That means he doesn't consider you another. You're part of his family. Right? Jesus, John 17, I pray, Father, that they be one even as we are one, me and you, you and me. And I give them the glory that you gave me so they may be one even as I am. He gave you his glory. That's the most precious thing that he has to give of his own self. He gave us his son, but he gave us his glory. The Holy Spirit is all glory. That's why it says, be careful. Be careful not to foul the Holy Spirit. Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit because that's touching the glory of God. God made himself vulnerable to us by giving us that precious, gentle, tender spirit he calls comforter. Comfort you, comfort you, my people. Nurture my people. Be me in my people. People, treat my spirit gently tenderly. Don't blaspheme my spirit. I trust you with this. 
Okay, one or two more scriptures and we're done. Um, let's go to verse 21, chapter 42. Verse 21, the Lord is well pleased for his, for his, he will magnify the law and make it honorable. Who fulfilled the law? He made it honorable. It no longer has the right to condemn us, to destroy us, to kill us. It has to honor us because Jesus fulfilled it. And he did this for his own righteousness so that we might have his righteousness in us that has fulfilled the law. I'm going to skip and go over to this one. Verse 18 of chapter 43. Remember, these are the comfort chapters in Isaiah. After the condemnation and the conviction. So he's comforting us. Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 21, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show my praise. Verse 25, I, even I, am he that blots out their sins for my own sake. I will not remember their sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare. Somebody say, declare. Declare. declare you that you may be righteous. Ah. You understand what that just meant? Real simple. Sins are gone. Sins are out of the question. Now you can be made righteous. Declare that you may be righteous. You declare from righteousness. You don't declare to righteousness. You're not working to become righteous. Declare that you may be righteousness. Declaration is the highest form of manifesting God in our lives here on earth. Declare his righteousness. That's what he says. So, I know some people were questioning, you know, it was a good question. Where does it say declare in the Bible? I say, where doesn't it say it? Where doesn't it say it? You see, God loves a faith that won't move. Get up and walk. Be healed in the name of Jesus. How about when sickness tries to come on you? I've been working outside in the cold a lot. People have been falling down left and right all around me with colds and fevers and stuff. And about a week ago, I came in and my head was starting to feel like a cold was coming. And I was chilling and I was damp and I was wet. And I was like, right away it came in my mind, oh, you're getting a cold like them. And I said, wait a minute. And I looked in the mirror. I said, you get out in Jesus' name. There's no room for that cold in this body. I got work to do. And that was it. Took two vitamin C's, went to bed, woke up healthy. I don't know, you know, vitamin C's, was that a talisman? I don't know, but I took them. I took them. I could have accepted that cold. You understand that? Because it comes in your mind, and it means reasonable because you're around all kind of people with colds, so guess what? I'm going to get a cold. I'm getting, no. No. You declare from righteousness. And then finally, this. I want to find the one about the curtain of water. Oh, you're going to like this. This is the one we're closing with. Isaiah 45. 
Oh, a lot's been said about that, right? The Cyrus Commission, Isaiah, we've all heard 45, Trump 45, this 45. No, it's all good, you know. I, could be a talisman too. Maybe turning it into a talisman too much. But here's what I know what it says. Isaiah 45, verse 7. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Oh, boy, Pentecostals don't like that one. No, God's all good. He can't create evil. What? I create, you know, let's just leave it at this. I have having much more comfort knowing that my Lord doesn't need the devil to fix me. Amen. You know what, God? You want to fix me? You fix me. Whatever you do, don't turn me loose to the devil. Devil, I hate you. God, I love you. Devil, you have no authority in my life. God, you have all authority in my life. I'm the servant of the living God, and I do nothing whatsoever for the devil and his evil kingdom. I don't believe him. I don't listen to him. I don't honor him. I don't obey him. And I don't capitalize his name with an S. He's a little S. That's who he is. So I'm the God. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Oh, I love this one. Woo! Circle this one. This is a keeper. This is a foundation. Drop down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. You know, it's okay. I like that prophetic word, we're in open heavens, but I like it better to know I'm in open heavens all the time. The righteousness of God is pouring down like a curtain of water upon us, like a shower that's refreshing us, renewing us, restoring us, filling with everything that he has, taking us to new places. Old things are passing away. All things are being made new. My rags can't be filthy because it's the righteousness of God. I'm being washed every day by the reading of the word and the move of his Holy Spirit curtains of water, showers of water of righteousness pouring down upon us. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see. Let us, Father, realize who we are and what we have.